Hi, this is Michael Azarad, Editor-in-Chief of The Talk House, and welcome to The Talk House Music Podcast. Back in the early 70s, Texan singer-songwriter Ray Wiley Hubbard was a key part of the progressive country movement. He even had a hit with the honky-tonk anthem, Up Against the Wall, Redneck Mother, and hung out with people like Willie Nelson, Jerry Jeff Walker, and Waylon Jennings. He went on to pioneer something called cowpunk, and over the years has made a long string of beloved albums that fuse outlaw country, blues, and vintage R&B. His latest album, The Ruffian's Misfortune, came out this spring, and he's got a memoir coming up too, and that should be really good. Erica Wunderstrom sings and plays guitar and keyboards with the great Heartless Bastards, whose new album, Restless Ones, came out June 15th. Erica is from the Badlands of Ohio, or at least Dayton and Cincinnati. Her band has threads of garage rock, blues, and country, so there's a little overlap with Mr. Hubbard's music. The main thing is, they're both really good songwriters and fans of each other's stuff, as you'll soon see. A little while back, Erica and Ray sat down in an Austin hotel room and talked shop. These two were really curious about each other and they asked a lot of good questions. At one point, Ray paid Erica a great compliment. Then there's a little pause in the conversation. That's Erica weeping because she was so moved by Ray's words. Here we go. Why don't we start with uh, Jim Eno's place uh, where you recorded? Oh, uh, or we were, yeah, when I met you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a great spot. <laughs> yeah. Well, how, did, how did that happen with you uh, uh, recording there? Because um, that's a great studio. I can't, it's, it's, it's something like, high, what's it called? High, public Hi Fi. Public Hi Fi, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, well, Jim was friends with our former manager and um, they had talked about. Yeah. Uh, us working together and we met Jim and, and really admire things he's done within his own band and I thought he did a great job with uh, the Black Jill Lewis record yeah, he well, had he, done at the time. Yeah, so. for a drummer, he's, uh, I mean, besides being a great drummer, he also has like a great sonic ear of, of, of something, you know, I mean, I, I don't know how to describe it, but he just, you know, he's, he's more than just a drummer, I mean, as, as far as his knowledge about uh, recording. Yeah, I um, I think that he has a lot to do with uh, crafting the Spoon songs yeah. together with yeah. Brit. Um, they they've worked together the whole time Spoon spent together. Well, so, now, when you yeah. went in there to record, did you have the songs already together, or or did you do a lot of stuff in studio? Um, I mean, like you know, like, like going in with the band, like like road testing them. I guess is what I mean. Like going to writing a song, playing them in. In front of people and then going in and recording that or did you uh um well i had them together for the most part words yeah. are a real struggle for me um well, and the uh words are yeah oh, my friend kevin welch <laughs> my friend you know kevin kevin welch that name sounds oh, so familiar a, he's local right yeah, here in austin he lives down in wimberley okay yeah, yeah he's uh, does he, he have a brother dustin welch? well that's his son oh oh okay. yeah and savannah welch is his daughter oh, oh they're okay. great yeah and, and uh, kevin has this Deal like he says, he's writing us, which I've stolen, and I actually apply it to my songwriting. He says, if I get stuck, I just lower my standards, rhyme the damn thing, and go get some sleep. That's <laughs> 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 what you got to do, you know. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I'm sort of consistently working on um, new ways to try to yeah, well, when be you a write, little more productive in that realm. When but. you write, like I sometimes I find myself. 
Well, you know, it's such a a joy and an anguish. You know, yes. you anguish over it to get it right, but then it's a joy when it works. But it seems like, you know, that even when I'm, if I get the inspiration, no matter what else I'm doing, somewhere over in my head I'm working on that song, you know? You know, like if I'm driving yeah. and I'm going da-da-da-da-da, I'll sing that, or if I'm, you know, I'm just, seem like it's, I'm always... It's hard to shut that off. Yeah, it is, yeah. it is. You know, now when did you get into music? When did you... Oh, gosh. I've wanted to sing since I was old enough to think about doing anything. I oh, think. really? Yeah. I might have been three, and I would walk around the house like, I'm going to be a singer <laughs> when I grow up. Was your family musical? Um, no, not really. Mine wasn't either. Um, yeah. Mine was not either. What about you? What, what, uh, when you, uh... Oh, well, you know, growing up, of course, there was, uh, I grew up in southeastern Oklahoma in a very rural part. And, uh, you know, growing up on, had a little, uh, country western station there to play Lefty Frizzell and Hank Williams and, you know, the, the, the typical country guys. But then it, but then it would, you know, have gospel music going to church. And so that's when I kind of first realized how, you know, especially in church and, and the choir and the gospel and the singing and the yelling and the whooping and the hollering. Oh, and yeah. How powerful it was. And so, but nobody in my family was really musical, you know. And then we, uh, then I got, you know, and we moved to Dallas. My dad was a, a teacher, English teacher. And uh, you wouldn't know it to hear me talk, but <laughs> he was. My mom was an English teacher, oh, really? too. Wow. Yeah. And what, what, <laughs> what is, it's weird because, not weird, but it's like when I was growing up, is, or somewhere in there, instead of reading like nursery rhymes, my, my dad would read Tale of Two Cities or The Raven or, you know, that was kind of almost a required deal. He'd say, here, read this. And, you know, yeah. eight, eight, nine years old, reading Tale of Two Cities. And it was, but it was, it, it was, it was, I think it was important. Yeah, my mom was really a fan of Russian liter literature. Uh, of what? <laughs> of Russian oh, literature. Wow. Yeah, yeah, we all we had a lot of cats, and they all had Russian names. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Pushkin and Tolstoy and. Uh, yeah. Well, it's. <laughs> was that as that influence your right? I would imagine that you know when I've listened to the Heartless Bastards, your songs that the the lyrics are important. You know, they're very, oh, definitely they're very important. You know that that they've got to be just like I say. I anguish over them. You know, even even when I write a goofy song, you know, like Snake Farm or something, I, I still want it to be well written. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> I think, um, like as um, as a growing up, and even now, sometimes I'm drawn to melodies first. Like uh -huh. that's the first thing that draws me into a song, but. Um, I th think with growing up, yeah, with um, my mom being an English teacher, right. and my aunt was also a huge fan of music and Bob Dylan, and oh, she would yeah. always talk to me about lyrics. Like, yeah. it doesn't take uh, a weatherman to know which way the wind blows. Yeah. She would always say that or different uh, quotes from songs. And um, so I think that even though melody's always been something right. I've been drawn to, uh, initially, um, as I started writing as an adult, I thought about a lot of that, and right. it made me a lot more conscious of it. Now, when did when did you first get your guitar? I mean, is that? Uh, my dad sent me one for my birthday, I think, or Chris. I think it was my birthday, 
it was not it wasn't something I had asked for either. Mm-hmm. It, it was a complete surprise. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then I tried. I think I was 16 and I tried uh learning you know yeah. when you first pick up an acoustic uh, and it's like trying to press down the strings oh, and oh yeah i was like yeah i didn't have the patience for it uh but a couple of a uh, couple of years later uh when i was 18 i was like gosh i should really i mean if music is something i want to do right. with my life i should probably go ahead and teach myself how to play guitar and so i just uh started learning from there yeah, yeah. it's really like when i was First got one. I mean, there was you know a silver tone. You know, it was like thirteen dollars. That, that that's a Sears guitar, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was and it was hard to play because you know they were cheap and the action was just they would hurt your hands and you'd get them and the you know you didn't know uh, how to change strings or you'd take these strings and you'd try to tune them, but you you know <laughs> tuning that was you know there was the... I mean it was it yeah there were, you'd have to. Oh, God, how did I get tuned my first guitar? I think I went, took it to the elementary school and had to try to figure out, there was a little instruction book about tuning it to a piano. Uh-huh. So I'd have to count where the C was, but then there wasn't an open C on the guitar. <laughs> so I'd have to hold the third fret down and try to tune. I'm going, ah, and, then, and it was just, it was an ordeal. So I just, you know, so the only song I could learn was this old, Instrumental called Peter Gunn on the low E string. We go da 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 da. I'd play that and I went, yeah, that's it. And I'd, I'd put it away, you know, until I saw Murphy play. And then I went, something just struck me that that was, it was like a very powerful moment to see a fellow come out and say, this is a song I wrote. And, and of course, he was great, you know. And so that's when I kind of wanted to really pick it back up and try to do it, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's a, it's a very mysterious process, though, isn't it? Writing. Oh, yeah. I, uh, yeah, it really is. Um, I don't even know a lot of times where my ideas come from anymore. I, I've, I'm in the grocery store or something, and then a yeah. melody appears in my head. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, I usually tell myself that if it's, um, a strong idea, I won't forget it. Right. But I feel like more and more my memory is just so bad that I just record everything, whether yeah. I go back and listen yeah. to it or not, just yeah. as a precaution. I'm like, maybe I've been throwing away good ideas for a long time. I don't, I don't know. It kind of, <laughs> I feel like I've been doing this long enough, you know, that I, I think it finally came down to where I kind of figured out or something that, that it was inspiration plus craft. Yes, you know, I, I, what, yeah, I agree. You know what the inspiration, I guess, what songwriters call the great aha. You go, aha, that'd be a good idea for a song. Yeah. You know, ah, yeah, you, know you get that inspiration. But then you got to take that and have a craft or know enough about it to where this inspiration will fit, where it's a or, um, 12 bar blues or folk or whatever, you know. Completing anything. I mean, there's so much self discipline. I mean, at least for myself, yeah. I. <laughs> That's my, that's my big struggle. Another I think. thing, another thing, Kevin told me he said, you know, and I've really tried to prod this is, don't edit while you're writing it. You know, write and then go back and edit it. Because a lot of time, if I if I hit this line, then I'll just stay there. You know, on that that's one. what I do. Yeah. yeah, I need to learn like a little bit of a different. I need to just start writing everything down. And that well, yeah. one of my favorite quotes, 
is from Flannery O'Connor, and she said, I love her. Never second guess inspiration. You know, whenever you get the inspiration, don't ever doubt it. Yeah. I mean, just, but it, you know, it is okay to rewrite, you know? And so uh, that finally. I do do that, yeah. yeah. You know, and so that's. You know, but then learning, for, like I say, I'm an old cat, man, but, and I didn't really get into like, really writing until I was in my 40s till I learned how to finger pick. Oh, you know, I, just, oh I still want to learn how to really? finger pick. Oh, man, yeah. I'll, I'll show you two cool patterns that'll just, it just opened it up for me. This, really? It just, it just really, it helped me because as I've, as I've gotten older, you know, learning new things. It, it, it's like learning to finger pick that gave the song a door to come through that wasn't there before. It's like trying an alternate tuning or yeah, something. Like, like then yeah, I, then I learned open D and all of a sudden that, these songs came through with that and then open G and then I got a slide and then I, you know, got a mandolin learned enough and I got three. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's for me, like I say, I keep trying to learn new things. Yeah, yeah man, it's been a couple of hours and I'll show you these patterns because I was, I was 42 and I'd kind of, that was not a very good age <laughs> to be doing music at the time, you know, because everything had kind of changed. The, all the, the outlaw, you know, Willie and Waylon and Michael Murphy and Jerry Jeff was kind of over here, and all these kind of new things were coming in, you know, Garth Brooks and Clint Black and Brooks and Dunn and everything. And so I just didn't really have much of, I didn't really have a career. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, but I, so I said, but I wanted to be a, a real songwriter and I knew to be a real songwriter I needed to play guitar better I need to really get good on guitar you know and and uh, so I started uh, actually took uh guitar lessons from a fellow in Dallas learn how to finger pick I did that a few years ago yeah. this like kid came over to my house he knows a lot more about guitar than me yeah. uh yeah but it was it was really like I say it really kind of like right now uh, you know I'm, I'm kind of doing that kind of you know, the dirty groove thing, you know, kind of got back into finger picking where I was doing a lot of lightning and John Lee Hooker and Matt Liscomb and, you know, that type vibe. And so it's a good place for me because, you know, I kind of got that foundation, like I was talking about in folk music where the lyrics are strong, but then now I could, you know, lay down a dirty groove and, and they, they fit good together. So it's been like say, man, for an old cat, I'm still doing it. <laughs> you Is this last record the one that's coming out in June? Is, is, is where did y'all record that? Is it, did y'all y'all didn't? Is this a new one? The new ones? Um, yeah. Th- this, it, is this the spoon one? The um, studio? no, that was uh, Arrow. That was Arrow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Where did y'all do this last one? Um, um, at uh, Sonic Ranch out where? in West Texas. Oh yeah, it's where on is a it? pecan ranch. Where is that? A farm. Where's that near? Is that... It's right outside El Paso. That's right. The and du- it's like on the border of Mexico. Yeah, the Dirty River Boys, I think, recorded there, I think. Yeah, they have a, um, about five studios yeah. there. And so there's um, there was even 
multiple artists recording yeah. when we were there. I've heard that's just a fantastic place. It it is, yeah, um, yeah. It's really nice. It was the first time we've ever done a um, sort of location yeah. spot. That's what I like about your records. They they sound sonically cool and rude and rock. You know oh, what I mean? Thank you. You know what I mean? I mean, they, they just they sound sonically. They just sound great. You know. And that's the, that's kind of the thing I tell people about my records is you, you may not like this may not like the singer and the songs, but you'll like the way it sounds. Oh, <laughs> you know, because it sounds, you know, cool. You know, and that's I think it's. I'd say it's good all around. <laughs> yeah, you got to do it. You know, you got to do it. But, but but we had a good time recording out there. But that's the first time we had gone on location and stayed a place and went in and recorded, and it was. Uh, it was it, it was fun. It was different, you know. Is that where you did the your record that's coming out, or the one before? We that? did the last one at uh, the Zone in Dripping Springs. Uh, it's, uh, oh, I'm not familiar. There's it, so many studios in Texas. It's a, I've did uh, Snake Farm there, and I, and uh, it's uh, it's a really good studio. It's uh, Pat Mansky's an engineer down there, and I've, oh, Lloyd Main uses it a lot to record down there. But we recorded the tracks down there, and then we. Uh, Is that Natalie Maine's dad? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, great producer. He's he's produced, he did produce three of my records. He's done kind of the, uh, I don't know. He's just, he's done some incredible records, you know. Of, of uh, yeah, he's Ro been producing a long time. Yeah, right? Robert Earl Keane. He's done him. Joe Ely. He's just done a lot of records on those Texas guys. And Is it Lub Lubbock? He's out of Lubbock. Okay, yeah. 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 He's in the Maine's Brothers. Great band and. Uh, He's playing with Terry Hendricks now, but he's also producing. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah, he, it, we we cut down there, and then we did the the rest of it at George Reeves Studio at his house up in uh, up North Austin. Oh, okay. You know, just, you know, I'm I'm kind of I think being comfortable has a lot to do with recording for me. You know, finding a place that you're comfortable. You know, rather than just so technical. Yeah, I, I, um, it's really important to me to have a studio with sunlight. Yeah. It's like, really, yeah. I feel like a lot of the older studios, uh, it's uh, especially like ones from like the 70s, a lot of them, they didn't have any sunlight. No. <laughs> and then I would be working in there like 10 hours a day or something, and yeah. it's like, uh, I might have seen like 20 minutes of sunlight the entire day, <laughs> and it's yeah. kind of, it becomes like a cave, and I just I feel like uh, I, that's kind of like a, a definite. We did some studio tours for this last album, uh, and there were some great studios. But I was like, I just can't work for weeks on end with yeah without sunlight. I know what it's. it's <laughs> well, that's the thing about with George's house. It's it's his house, but it's you know, like it's an incredible studio, old gear, and everything. And uh, we did a session there with Ronnie Dunn and. Uh, 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 you know, Ronnie, who's the Brooks and Dunn guy, he had, had, we'd written some songs, he wanted to cut them, but he wanted to try to get, he wanted his record to kind of sound like my Grifter's Hemnal album. So I said, well, let's get the same guys and cut it at the same place. So he said, okay. So we got uh, got Mac, of course, in McLagan, and uh, uh, Brad Rice, who'd played guitar with Sunvolt, and, you know, just a great cat, and then Rick and George, who'd been out with Joe Walsh. And then, uh, so we... Went it to George's house, and so we walked in. All of a sudden, Ronnie Dunn. I looked around and said, "George, I like your studio. 
where do you live? <laughs> and he goes, you know, like just making a joke, like I can't believe you got your, you know, this and your, his, your and studio. His house. Yeah, your studio looks like a house. How how cool is that? <laughs> and uh, but I think you know it was really good of him because he's got a little. Uh, it sounds great, and he's done some great records there, the Band of Heathens and Shiny Ribs, and and uh, and so it, it was good because you know in the little room I'm singing has a window, and I like I like that too. I guess once you find like the like yeah. the, the perfect spots for what you're doing, it's uh... yeah. Like I say, I think that comfort has a lot to do with it. You know, going in George's place, he's got the great gear, and it's just. Feel it's not like you know for me as a studio where you've got a, you know, oh this is one hundred and fifty dollars an hour. Oh, I better get this right. Yeah, you know, I don't like that feeling at all. I've never cared for that. You know. Yeah, I can definitely. Yeah, time is money yeah. in the studio. <laughs> got another question, please, off here, man. You're playing a gold top Les Paul, right? Uh huh. Yeah, is that is is that heavy? <laughs> I have one from the seventies that's about double the weight. About fourteen so I don't pounds. know if it's a lot. I don't know what they're doing with. I mean, this one is a reissue. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know what what they're doing that makes it a lot lighter. Maybe yeah. there's some chambers in it. I know. I saw a picture with that gold top, and I went, "Oh man, if that's <laughs> that's fourteen pounds, you know, that's, you know." I'll be honest. I'm having some back issues right now. Oh, I am yeah. seeing a physical therapist, and oh, I'm yeah. sure that that Les Paul doesn't help. Yeah. <laughs> I but I love the way it oh, sounds. Yeah. It's, yeah, something about them, you know. They're just yeah. really cool. And I just would know that that I went, Oh man, she's playing a Les Paul gold top. How cool is that? <laughs> you know. Yeah, I I love it. And uh, yeah. There's, Ed Reynolds. You probably know Ed Reynolds. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. He he just totally refretted it and oh, made really? it uh yeah. yeah. It's just ever since then. Yeah. yeah. My son Lucas has one, and it, he just he loves it. You know, he's just I mean, you know we're kind of, uh, you know, kind of Gibson guys. I've just really liked Gibsons. I mean, I play an old, I play a, a acoustic guitar. It's an old. It's it's one. Um, it's really a strange guitar, but I love it. It's a, it's a 1958 Southern Jumbo body, with a 1949 J45 neck. I found this neck in this place in Kentucky. And I bought it for a hundred bucks. I just kept it around. And then a, a buddy of mine, Tony Nobles, who's great luthier down in uh, Wimberley, found this uh, old Southern jumbo. It had a horrible broken neck, and he put them together. And I just—it's ugly and gnarly, but something about it is just righteous, you know. And, uh huh. And I put a one of those DeArmond toaster top pickups on it so that I can play it through an amp, you know, kind of that old. And it just—it's. Uh, I love it to death, man. It's just one of my favorite things. And, and that way, playing an acoustic into an amp, you can put a little dirt on it, you know, and yeah. slide and all that stuff. But, yeah, we're just, we're mostly kind of a Gibson family. You know? I, me too, yeah. You play a J45, right? And, uh, yeah, yeah, and oh, uh, I, love those. I have a ES-125 ES hollow body. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I've, every guitar I play is a Gibson. I yeah. just I've always liked them. I yeah. do too. I, I was, I, you know, when I was younger, I had some Martins, and uh, but then all of a sudden I found a Gibson. When I, especially when I started using a lot of playing a lot of kind of light, and then and uh, John Lee Hooker did that kind of dead low E string, you know, that thump, don't don't, you know. Oh uh, yeah. And I love that Gibson for that that J forty five.
let me ask you this real quick. And I'm just, you, so you got the guitar, you learned the guitar, and you started writing these songs, and you said, okay, next I got to get a band. Uh-huh. Is that right? Um, yeah, I, um, I started putting some songs together, which ended up yeah. being the Heartless Bastards' first album. Uh-huh. And, um, I, I couldn't find, like, a band. Right. I think that, um... I don't think that many people took me seriously, like initially. Um, and my boyfriend at the time was like, why don't you just do stuff on the eight track or record it yourself? Right. And I don't play drums, but um, I um, put a lot of the parts together. Right. And um, and then Dave, um, who plays in, in the band now, uh, we used to be in a band together. We were the rhythm section. Uh-huh. It was called Jesus. <laughs> we were an all-girl band initially. And then uh, Dave joined later. Uh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, Dave came to town. Yeah. Um, and we had a few days around the holidays. And we put this uh, EP together. Right. And I, I did bring a couple friends in to do a couple of the songs and then the rest I worked on with Dave on my own. And then um, I bartended and I just started passing that EP out. I went yeah. through like CD three CD burners on the yeah. computer. I passed it out to everybody I thought might be even remotely interested in it. And, um, and then I think uh, a lot of, I got a real good response from the EP. Yeah. And so a lot of people became familiar with the project in, right. in town and it became easier to find a live band. Cool. So, yeah. I'm, I'm, at that age, <laughs> I'm at that age now where it's get the gig, then get a band. Yeah. Because <laughs> I went through, you know, bands earlier on and, you know, you form a band and you got to just, you know, in those days you just had to work. There was just the clubs. I mean, that was it. You just had to gig in order to, you know, keep the band together and keep working. And, you know, back in those days in Texas in the late 60s and 70s, they you just, there's a lot of really dumpy honky talks out there. <laughs> where you, you know, where you just have to, and there still are, and I still enjoy playing some of them. But, you know, I mean, it yeah, was just I kind of like, like a good dive bar honky talk just, here and there. <laughs> it was just, you know, kind of consistent where you had to really just keep working all the time. To, to you know, just uh, it, you know. So uh, I feel like in, in especially in Texas or the Austin area, there's just so many musicians. It's almost yeah. like I think to get the gig and then find the uh, band can right. work. But I feel like in yeah. Cincinnati, it's it's like a lot. There was it was a a lot different in that sense. Right. There's just not nearly as many active musicians right. and. Um, well, when, when I yeah. first came to Austin, there wasn't. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there, yeah, well, that's true, too. As an old cat, you know. But, no, I mean, when I first came to Austin, I guess it was in 60, oh, gosh. There was there was quite a, you know, in, in that time, there was kind of Dallas, Austin, Houston. The folk music thing was just starting. You know, there were these little folk music clubs in 63 and 64. It was one in Dallas called the Rubiot, one in Austin, here there was a place called the, the Checkered Flag, and then in Austin was, I mean, in Houston was Sand Mountain, and there was just, those were the only three places that that you could, like a folk singer or songwriter could play. There was just no other 
places, you know, so guys like, you know, Towns was in Houston, he'd come up and play the Rubiot, and he'd come here and play the checkered flag, and Steve Earl was living here at the time too, right? I think Steve came a little bit later. Oh, I think. okay. I think uh, uh, he was probably in the seventies. I think uh, um, somewhere around the seventies, early eighties. I think. You know, there's such a rich history it, uh, here. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it was really pretty amazing, and it's still pretty amazing because there's some you know great musicians here in Austin. But it was just really pretty uh, inspiring at the time in Austin. I mean, you know, because you. Uh, and that, but, but even before the progressive country outlaw thing happened with Willie and Jerry Jeff, there was just incredible, uh, ac- uh, just an acoustic scene here. You know, like with, with Towns and guys, there was an old guy named Big Bill Moss and Alan Dameron, and they were, Johnny Vandenberg. They were just these incredible, powerful performers, and they would just it was this uh, whole uh, folk vibe and and cool vibe it was just an amazing place you go to a little club you'd see light and hopkins play you know or mance lipscomb and then uh you go to some you know bar there in dallas and uh you know freddie king would be playing it was just a very you know it was it was inspiring i felt very grateful to have seen those cats play you know and uh it was it was it was was quite a time you know but that's the thing about austin now it's still magical as far as music goes you know yeah there's i mean it's so diverse i think yeah too with what what's going on yeah what's the thing too about austin too is all of a sudden you you can't get a really big ego here i mean you know you kind of have a sense of humility because all of a sudden you go man i wrote this song this is great and all of a sudden you walk in there's you know mcmurtry playing you know you know or you walk in there's john d graham you know what i mean it keeps yeah it okay you know what i mean it there's so many great musicians here and great songwriters that you gotta you know you gotta stay on top of it you know you, yeah. you can't just phone it in you gotta you don't know what you're doing i guess and everything it's a lot of fun you know i definitely find it inspiring it really <laughs> is you know you ever get down to wimberley you're familiar with it uh, I, I've been there a few times. Yeah. I like that, uh, swimming hole, the blue hole. Blue, blue hole, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a good place, you know. Like yeah. Said, we've been there almost 19 years. It's, it's home. I still haven't been to, uh, Hamilton Pool. That's a good place. Yeah. yeah. It is. I want to go to the winery there sometime, too. <laughs> the winery? Oh, oh, or just like a winery in yeah. general. Not, yeah. yeah. When you write, do you do? Uh, you use a computer? How do you? What's your process for that? Um, I mean, it's. I just I'll get these melodies in my right. head, um, uh-huh. and I've, at this point, I don't even feel like I sit down and try to write a melody. They just right. kind of happen. Like it's almost like when I'm on autopilot. I notice right. when I'm driving a lot, I get right. inspired. Uh, yeah. uh, and then I just, 
uh, go to the guitar and right. try to figure out um, a good key because I noticed one thing I learned uh, from my first record was that I really pushed my voice uh-huh. to as high as right. I could it could go but um but then I was losing my voice on the road all the time yeah. so that's the like second thing I do now is just yeah. like figure out what key um I'm gonna what that it sounds best in that I can actually yeah. sing every night yeah I kind of got a thing where I just feel kind of comfortable around you know just e just you know that just of course I just I feel that's where kind of my old, I don't, I, 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 I got a place where I feel comfortable, you know, like I'm not really a real singer. I just kind of, you know, can stay in here and keep it with it very pentatonic and bluesy and, and a lot of them is almost talking, you know, because boy, I tell you what, it's, I found out, you know, I've, I've done a few things where, you know, I've lost my voice and that's really Boy, that's, that's scary sometimes. You yeah, know, it is. Cancel a gig, and we've actually done a thing where I've got, I've got two sets of harmonicas. You know, one of them is like standard tuning, and then the other set full is uh, full step lower. You know, so I can go full step lower and still have my, you know, the like, harmonica. Yeah, well, the guitar. I, t- I mean, I tune like instead of, uh, you know, uh, like a, a D. You know, I'll. I'll tune the guitar a whole step lower, so it'll be in C, and then I have a, a matching harmonica to play cross. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know what I mean. I mean, so instead of so I have a two sets of harmonicas. You know, I have a you know for when I'm out on the road and I have to should get get a little strained. You know, my voice was strained, then I can tune down a whole step and have all my harmonicas marked. I do that too. Yeah. Or I mean I don't tune down but I will sing like a slightly different melody that's yeah. lower. Yeah. That kind of maybe it could even be an existing harmony for the song. It's yeah. like I just start singing lower. Yeah. Um and and because um, some of those higher ones are harder yeah. <laughs> when you're sick. Yeah. I just kinda like say yeah. I, I kind of enjoy you know, I, I got a I got a a comfort area where I feel comfortable in, you know, with, with what I'm writing, you know, like I say, with kind of a uh, the blues groove with some lyrics and not having to really do a lot of a lot of chord changes, you know. I'm actually, I've actually written songs that just not only do they not change chords, you know, they don't even rhyme. <laughs> I'm, I'm really into that. I like, um, I like uh, sometimes a drone, Yeah, you know, it's like yeah. uh, almost like a stream of consciousness sort of uh, vibe to it where yeah. it's like, it really is about the story right. that's being told or uh, there's, it kind of can be, I don't know if tr- would trancy would be the right word, right. but um, yeah. Well, you get, like I say, I've, I've really, in, in you know, I've got to the point where I've written songs like that and I've kind of gotten into uh you know, that repetition trance groove, you know, kind of the old, you know, R.L. Burnside or some of those guys. Oh, I love just, that. Yeah. You just get a, you know, you get a good lick and man, it, it'll work. Yeah. You know, and you keep it interesting, you know. And uh, I, I enjoy that. You know, most of the time. Me too. You know, <laughs> you know. So you're doing, uh, uh, what else you got going on after when the record comes out? You're going to be just hitting festivals and hitting it pretty hard? Yeah, we're doing an East Coast tour, and um, I think we're going to wait till the fall to to do a lot of the rest of the touring. Yeah. Maybe some festivals here or there, but um, 
I guess I hear that other than festivals, like going into cities when a lot of people are on summer vacation or you don't want to hit the college towns in the summer. So we're just going to... Well, you do anything else besides music? I mean, you write any other stuff or, you know, do anything besides just songwriting and performing? Um, You got any other interest? I like to hike mountains. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. Um, I, I do try to go out to West Texas a lot right. or Montana. Oh, and, wow. Uh, I don't do the, uh, you know, like the, what is it, grapples or the... Yeah, mountain climbing type. Yeah, I don't get yeah. into like, uh, like I have, would have no desire to ever do like Mount Everest, yeah. you know. it's Just getting out, right? Yeah, like yeah. I just really like walking and uh, nice scenery. Yeah. yeah. What about you? Oh gosh, uh, pretty much. You know, like I say, I've, I've uh, uh, I don't know, man. It's just music is just so always there, kind of right in my face. You know that I'm always working on songs or writing or something, and uh, it's kind of hard to know where. Or I, I it's sort of interrupt. Pardon me, no. but um, yeah, I I also find that it's kind of uh, you're you're always kind of tuned into the possibility right. that writing might come up. So it's hard to shut it off yeah. sometimes, right? Well, I you, don't shut it off. You gotta keep that, you know, it's like I think it's uh who is I think Roger Miller or somebody's talking about somewhere. It's like you gotta you gotta keep part of yourself uh aware so when that phone rings with a song on it, yeah. You answer it. You just don't blow it off. You know what I mean? So like you you know, you gotta be if wherever it is, that inspiration, wherever it is, you gotta, you don't want to not be there when that phone rings with that song. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, definitely. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's, it's uh, like the two. You know, like I so, said, well, it's been really weird. I, I got a book coming out, too. I wrote a book. I actually wrote my memoirs with, with a bunch of other oh, stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was oh, uh, about two years ago, a fellow named Tom Jurek. He writes for All Music Guy, an old friend of mine. We were just emailing back and forth, and I'm email this story about when I was, I guess, 19 or so, uh, I was up with, uh, went up to play a club with uh, Muddy Waters up in Omaha, and I was just telling this story about how after the gig, we were all up in the office, you know, and there's, uh, and I just, just typed me, I said, after the gig, we were upstairs, and Pine Top Perkins had an electric skillet, and was making f- fried chicken, and, and uh, Muddy was, they were drinking champagne. We were just kind of over here and watching all this. And the club owner was paying Muddy, right? So we're sitting there kind of watching this. And all of a sudden, the club owner's paying Muddy. And all of a sudden, Muddy's smoking a cigar and drinking champagne. Pound Dog's cooking chicken. And all of a sudden, Muddy goes, That crowd down there, they love me. The club owner goes, Yeah, Muddy, they did. And he goes, That audience down there, that audience, that always, they love me. They love me. They, you know, and he goes, yeah, buddy, you were great. And he goes, you know, you ought to give me a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> that guy gave him $204. Oh, he did? Yeah. I mean, I'm just going, you know, to be there at that moment at that time to watch that go down. It's just, you know, I've tried that. And it doesn't work. But, you know, and so I, so I wrote that, during that story, and he said, wow, that's an interesting story. And I said, yeah, and so. I said, yeah, I did this. I said, well, you think that's interesting? Uh, Willie Nelson kidnapped me one time or something. So I wrote him that. He said, you should, you know, write these things down. So I just kind of started writing these little uh, 
you know, things that have happened, like, you know, when I was born in Oklahoma and we moved to Dallas and, you know, how I got music, seeing Michael Murphy play in high school and then just, and all that. So it was, uh, it was interesting to go back and uh, write that, you know, and try to make it, you know, as literature, you know, yeah. I, I try to make it real, make it like a real book. And uh, so that was... Uh, I enjoyed it, but like I say, it was it was an anguish too to get it right. But we're it, I feel good about it. We're uh, and also put some stuff in there about you know, you know, songwriting about the inspiration and craft and all that stuff. So we'll see. But I enjoyed that. So that's that's uh, that project's done. And then then I got another screenplay. I'm gonna try to finish and see how see how that goes. Oh wow! Get my heart broken again. <laughs> That usually happens. <laughs> I always uh, think it would be nice to try something like that. At, um, maybe, yeah, at this point, I guess, uh, yeah, I haven't. Maybe, maybe one day. <laughs> it's, I really, you know, it, it's, it was interesting to do it, you know, and I think the next thing we're probably going to try to do is some sort of, uh, oh, you know, some sort of uh, kind of a songbook with lyrics and chords and something like that you know, yeah something like that maybe do had a bunch of people ask me about my guitar playing so we might try to do a um you know one of those instructional things or whatever you know so we'll see i never know you know i mean being you know the musician and the the you know husband and the the father that's a full-time job seems like too you know you know do you ever do so y'all gonna do a video for this next record? We are. Yeah. Yeah. We actually film it on Monday and Tuesday. Oh really? Yeah. What about you doing it? Around here or it's in the Austin area, yeah. but I actually have I have no idea like yeah. where yet. Yeah. Um, but it should be fun. I did a thing, you know, it's really weird as we've I can't recommend this for everybody but you know i sleep with the president of the record label oh <laughs> which is my wife which is not clive davis that's my wife Judy, yeah you know so and it's i'm really in a good position to where you know she says go write your songs and write about whatever you want and then i'll try to you know sell them so so that's a great place for me to be because i can write without having to you know think about the future of water writing. Will people like this? Will it sell? Will it be it? I don't have to do that. I can just, you know, write about, you know, blackbirds talking, you know? Yeah. And so that's a good place to be, you know? And so, uh, so we were doing, so we were getting ready to do the last record and, you know, we didn't have a budget for a video. So I said, well, I'll do it. So I got, got eight millimeter app on my phone and got on iMovie and, uh, and made a, a video. You know, to be. Oh yeah. It was fun. You know, I did. Uh, I did one. One of my songs called "South of the River," and I put a little disclaimer on it. I said, "If you see any of the people that are in this video, don't tell them they're in this video." Because. <laughs> oh, know, because um, I didn't get permission. It was a I, bit of candid. Yeah, uh, I did, you know, I used Hayes and I put Joe Walsh in there and Ringo Starr and my band. You know, so I just said, if you see anybody in this video, don't tell them they're in the video. Uh huh. <laughs> and it was it was cool. You know, they uh, were very fortunate that that Joe and you know Ringo liked it and thought it was funny. 
But, uh, you know, I mean, I just did it myself. I took about a week and learned it. And it was very, uh, it was almost, you know, empowering to be able to do that. Yeah. You know? And then we, because I, I knew that my video, you know, it wasn't, wasn't going to be shown on TV or CMT or anything. It was going to be shown on the phone or people do it on the computer. Yeah. So I didn't have to do it 35 millimeter or 16 millimeter. I could just do it on my phone. And, you know, it's been pretty cool. I had old, about, you know, 20,000 people see each one. So I was thinking about that. We're doing some treatments for yeah. other songs. And um, I have I've all uh, some people we've talked to have asked if I had any ideas. And then I thought, well, I wonder if some of these I could attempt to try at some point or you know yeah. learn how to do learn how to do that dirty blonde black roots a cuban hills suede boots gretch drums black face amp a 65 fiber champ bottle lightning heat in a can sloppy cool two-piece band short dress a torn stockings that shit's singing It's badass rockin' Badass rockin' Badass rockin' That shit's singing So how's your songwriting evolved? Um... I mean, for when you first started, I mean, you know, like I say, with getting guitar and trying to learn those chords and putting the guitar down and then picking it up again. Um... Gosh. Um... I think that, I mean, I'll have to think about how to, um, I, I will say on some things I've, um, second guessed certain lyrics right. here or there, um, that, uh, maybe I later regretted, like I should have gone with that first instinct right. and, uh. I would say maybe uh, just sort of putting that sort of thought out there. I mean, the initial, I think that that's definitely something to sort of trust my gut a little yeah. bit more with that, uh, sort of not holding back as much. Yeah. It, it, well, like I was, you know, like I say, I feel very fortunate to have the freedom to write about whatever I want to, you know, and like even if, and, uh, you know, when I first started off, it was pretty much, it was, you know, pretty much folk songs. It was pretty much, you know, G minor, C, D, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge. Yeah. You know, and try to do a very folky thing, very trying to, uh, you know, Gordon Blockfoot sound, you know, or, or you know, uh, that that vibe. And, you know, and that was, and like I say, I was really fortunate to, that the lyrics were very important to me, you know, being able to start off with, you know, the integrity, I think, of folk music lyrics, you know, rather than just like, you know, kind of uh, doo-wop, you know, stint, you know, nothing wrong with that, but it's just, I, th those lyrics, you know, were kind of simplistic to me. I'm really glad I, you know, got into music, lyrics that had depth and weight, and then now, where it is, I've gotten with my guitar playing, that, like say, that marriage of, of that. So it's evolved, but then some of it, I hope it's kind of de-evolved, you know, going back to the original roots, to the original, you know, dirty, low-down groove, you know, where it's almost like 
taken taken away kind of the acoustic twelve sting jangle. Yeah. And just go back down to a gnarly old um you know E without the third, you know what I mean? Just that you know, just where it's just primal almost. And that's and and I feel, you know, that's it's a good place for me to be, I think, for you know, right now. You know? I th- I think that um rhythm is something that you know uh across it's just something natural to humanity yeah and uh primal um i think that um uh, like the sort of root of that like no matter how much the uh, music can evolve in some senses with computers right and this or that i think sometimes back to the basic rhythms with drums or guitars or just (sighs) sort of this part of uh there's something within us all that responds yeah. to that, and I think yeah. always will. Well, it's like that, you know, the group you got now, the Heartless Bastards, like I say, we're kind of talking, it's got this, it's, it's, it's got this, you know, really kind of raw, cool, dangerous aspect to it. You know what I mean? Where rock and roll should be like that. The attitude of it is like, hey, this is, you know, we're a band, we're coming out here, we're, we're here to rock, but we also got something to, to, to say with with integrity, you know that like there's something about you that I don't know, and I don't mean to hope you don't take this wrong, but I don't think you care about being a celebrity. I think you care about being a, a songwriter. You know what I mean? And there's a there's a a difference when I see people like that, you know, and uh, that's that's the thing I think that it's going to affect more people in the long run. You know, is is caring about. You know, caring about the music and what you write. Oh my goodness! <laughs> uh, you know, which is important. You know, like I said, I found you know I'm an old cat, and I feel, you know, able that for an old cat that I'm still doing what I really love to do. And uh, you know, right now things are really going well. I mean, there's been. There's been years in the past where on my income tax form, I've just been above hobby status. <laughs> but, but now, yeah, I'm okay. Are we done? Yeah. Okay. All right. Oh. Pardon me. Oh, it's all right. It's feeling a little emotional today. <laughs> oh. Well, you know, I meant what I said, you know. Thank you. It really is. That's, I think that's... The writers I like, they seem to, to 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 have that quality about them, you know. You know, I mean, I started off pretty much playing guitar for, you know, beer and girls. <laughs> but then somewhere in there, what I think really came important to me was trying to, you know, write the best songs I can, you know, and, I, and that's. You know, like I say, even sometimes when I write a goofy song, I go, "Well, it's well written," and it's it's it's. Inter- well, it's about pleasing your yourself, yeah. right? Well, it's, well, it's like about, it's about knowing some 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 part of us. I think knows that something within us. There's a part of us that know when it's when it works. I think that's what I meant as far as um, songs. Like as a writer, for myself, evolving is I think that. Um, um, I might second guess a lyric or this yeah. or that and change it and maybe there's like 
should I really put that out there in the world yeah. or say that? And um, at times I've changed some. And I think um, at, later on, a few of them here or there I've yeah. regretted. And I think more and more I should go with my first initial instinct. And in and, and both ways I might say the exact same thing, but maybe in a little bit more of a... Yeah. Um, Cut, uh, a little bit more of a guised way. I yeah. Guess. So, yeah. Well, cool. Well, I've enjoyed <laughs> this. Yeah, really? this is fun. And it's up against the wall, redneck mother. Sing along, relive your wasted youth. Mother who has raised sons so well, so well. Now he's 34. After they finished talking, Ray offered to give Erica some lessons in finger-picking guitar. I can't wait to hear how that turns out. This is Michael Azared, Editor-in-Chief of the TalkHouse, and that's it for this episode of the TalkHouse Music Podcast. Thanks to our producer-engineer, Elia Einhorn. For more TalkHouse Music podcasts and for lots of great writing about music by some excellent musicians, by all means visit thetalkhouse.com slash music. <laughs>